welcome back to Behind Our Door. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Julie. How's everything? Everything's good. Haven't seen each other in a while, you and I. I know. It's good to be back. I know. Uh, What's new? Anything? So it's interesting. Um, I've been trying to find my father a therapist. Oh, yeah. First not time, for, has yeah, he ever for, seen a therapist? Um, out of family therapy? No, has not. And mm-hmm. I know it's not common for elderly people. And I should preface this by saying my father is now 83 and mm-hmm. very healthy and vital. He's never been diagnosed with a mental health issue. You know, just kind of think has some unresolved things in 83 years, right? That he just, I just suggested it to him um, out of conversation because he's thinking a lot about the past and things that have happened. And I said, hey, why don't you go talk to a therapist? You don't have to go indefinitely. Go a couple times, see if it helps. And he actually said, yes, I was shocked. Yeah, that's really interesting because that is rare with that age group and above. Um, I know I have callers over time that have Older parents that have had surgeries, let's say even, you know, common with cardiac surgery, to have depression after following open heart surgery or heart surgery. That's part of it. And their parent is going through this oftentimes temporary sudden depression and they try to get them to go to a therapist and they won't do it. And um, it's just there's a stigma in in the heads of these older people that just are not quite as accepting. So it's great that your father I know. really is Yeah, I'm very open proud of it. him. Maybe because of me. But yeah, you're right. There is a stigma because, you know, it was like that generation mm-hmm. of you just suck it up and move on. Exactly. Right? And, it was, and it's if not you're like going that. to a psychiatrist, you really had problems. So yeah. really it's very different. But we'll we'll do it. We have a show coming up in the months on this very topic. So I'm excited. It's going to I be I am too. Really I, you know what I was gonna need. Yeah, what I was going to tell you is that the hardest part is he's on Medicare and it's very hard to find a clinician to take him. And I cannot remember the exact title they have to be. I can't remember if it's an LSW or, you know, uh, LCSW. To um, see it, a geriatric patient. Correct, correct. So I'm really struggling that combined with COVID and the... Uh, fallout of everyone seeking mental health treatment. It's it's yeah. been a super struggle. So. Across the board, they're saying there's such a shortage of yes. therapists. Yes. And uh, and of course, more of a need than ever. So it's I a know. Tough and ratio. Thank, thank God for online therapy. Yeah. It's so well, needed. Well, I hope you find someone sooner than later for him. Well, I'm going to keep plugging along. Yeah, you no, know me. Oh, you are. <laughs> he's, in, he's in good hands. Yes, I will never give up. Okay. Thinking back. The last six months and starting this podcast, we have yet to discuss the important diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. Today, for this very topic, we have the perfect guest to start the conversation, Tina Moore. She is the Family Connections Director at the National Education Alliance for Borderline Personality Disorder, otherwise known as NEABPD. Tina is considered to be an expert by experience as two people she loves struggle with emotional dysregulation. In 2015, she participated in the NEA BPD program, Family Connections, became a leader in 2018, and joined their staff shortly after. Today, she directs the program, still co-leads, and is passionate about the organization's vision to build a world where emotional wisdom prevails. She describes this program as a game changer for her 
for her and her family and the reason she is living her best life. Welcome, Tina. Welcome. Hi, Julie. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here with you and talk about BPD. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're a busy person, so we appreciate the time. Yeah. For for those listening... um, because my son is diagnosed with bipolar, and we called it BPD for a while. Um, Let's differentiate the initials. (laughs) Okay, that's really interesting, because actually a lot of, there's a lot of misdiagnoses that they're they're diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and it's borderline personality disorder. I think the, the, the analogy that I love that Dr. Perry Hoffman, who created NEABPD and co-created the Family Connections Program, this is how she described it. So when someone suffers from bipolar disorder, they may have long extended periods of time where they're in mania or depression, and you know that, that may last weeks, months, and so forth. Someone with BPD, they may experience a high high emotion followed by just a significant downward slide or downward slide in between like the appetizer and dinner. Like it's that quick. Hmm. And it might be, you know, they have a hard time coming back to kind of baseline. And so, you know, it might be a couple hours, it might be a couple of days, it might be a, a couple of weeks. You know, it's that high sensitivity, and it doesn't respond to medicine. That's the other thing. There's no ma- there is no medication for borderline personality disorder. That's interesting you say that because in my experience dealing with families and and people who have had children suffering from BPD, um, they often state that they cannot find a medication program to put them on because it's just not working. Right. It's now with BPD. There's usually a coexisting condition, and so you know it might be depression, bipolar, anxiety, and so if you can use medicine to, you know, address that that part of it, then you know it may create a situation where, um, you know, they're emotionally they're they're balanced and they can respond to treatment. And so, um, yeah, I, we would, I, I wish there was, oh my goodness, I wish there was a medicine, but, but really just even my own experience with my daughter, um, they first diagnosed her with bipolar and put her on lithium and a, a couple of other things. And it didn't, it, it didn't do anything. Which is, I know and, the way they say it's kind of the fastest way to diagnose borderline is to see that the medications are not working. Yes. And she benefited from um, dialectical behavior therapy. So that's kind of the gold standard treatment with, with BPD. And fortunately, um, I live outside of Atlanta and there's, there's certified DBT therapists close to me. So we were able to get her that help. But it's those skills that really, really made a difference in teaching her what to do to regulate her emotions. Would you mind just for the sake of our listening audience to define dialectical behavior therapy just for those DBT, for those that want to know what it is that is such a help? Yeah, sure, sure. So dialectical behavior therapy is actually 
a part of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's kind of like a um, like a subset. Who created DBT is Dr. Marsha Linehan, and I, I like to look at it as she took the best of cognitive behavioral therapy, she added skills and kind of sprinkled it with Buddhism principles, and it is. They're skills that are life skills, and we actually teach them in Family Connections. And the concept is acceptance and change. There's no absolutes. There's no right, wrong, good, bad. It's two people can have what seems to be completely opposite experiences, and both are valid. And so it's putting your... In, like in Family Connections, um, we teach relationship mindfulness. And so part of that is putting yourself in the other person's shoes to imagine what they may have experienced, you know, the, this event or the, the transaction between you and them, and then recognizing your own emotions. And, you know, really, you know, it's heavily validation. Um, there's something, a concept called radical acceptance, where you're accepting the situation, the reality as it is in the moment. And you're accept the kind of the radical part of it is you're accepting everything with your soul, your body, your mind. And you're not accepting what happened yesterday. You're not thinking about accepting what's happened tomorrow. It's, it's in that moment. And by having the awareness and acceptance, then you can move to doing what you can to change it. So really, you know, DBT, it's, it's that acceptance and change and um, like the personal experience between my daughters had both. DBT is much more focused on the skills of what can, what am I in control of? I can control my, my own reactions. So let me ask you something. When you're saying, yeah. very interesting, and when you're saying that you teach this in Family Connections, am I correct in thinking that Family Connections is a program for the family members, not for the individual who's struggling? First, that's the first half of the, the wondering here. Is it for yeah. the, just the family members? It is. It is for just the fam family members. Um Yes. So, so <laughs> in that, that's, it's interesting because am I, am I correct then in, in seeing this as you're teaching the family members as well, the same coping skills so that everyone is more on the same page under, you know, the care roof? Yes. That's, that's very exact, interesting. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And that's why family connections for me was that game changer Yeah, because I could then try to understand what she was learning because, you know, at the bottom line, I was expert at making things worse. You're not alone. <laughs> you know, there's no handbook that says, okay, your child suffers from borderline personality disorder. This is what you do. And that's the other, you know, interesting thing is this, this illness is the, the hardest to diagnose both medical and uh, mentally and physical, there's 256 different combinations. So what might work for me may work, may not work for another um, person, you know, family member dealing with the situation. Right. Yeah. So that, um, so that, yeah, that can be really, really challenging. But what I've found is, you know, family connections first, you know, we, we educate, we educate the family members on what is this? Because there's a lot of myths 
out there. You know, the person can't get better. It's, you know, a, um, a life, like a, a life sentence. Um, you know, so we kind of set the record straight and then we move into skills and they are DB, they are based on DBT skills. Now there's, gosh, I think over 130 something DBT skills and, and we focus on the ones that, um, you know, the, the uh, program is researched and, and it's evidence-based and it's 24 hours over the 12 weeks. And wow. so there's not a lot of time to bring in other, you know, other skills. So, um, so we focus on, on the ones that have the, the most impact and it, it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing that just by stopping myself and try and being fully present and listening to her, not trying to fix her, not trying to silver line anything to just be fre- present and validate that I understand or that I'm trying to understand her. It's it life changing. Yeah, it's a brilliant formula. I yeah. mean, that's just really, um, you know, I've always known about your organization. You can talk a little bit about that too. But yeah. um, I've known about this, know that you have these educational classes like Family Connections, but the step further to put, to train to put yourself as family members in somebody else's shoes and then, and then again, the individual struggling, they get their own set of skills, Correct. Right. They do. If now, they're willing. If, yes. If they're willing and if there's, you know, if there's treatment, treatment available. Um, in my bio, you mentioned I have two people in my life that mm-hmm. have emotional dysregulation. And the second person being the person I've been married to for, gosh, almost 23 years. And it wasn't until my daughter was diagnosed that I figured out, oh, man, he has some of these traits, too. And now I get it. I understand it. So he has not, you know, been in any treatment or, or anything. Um, it's been, you know, me with the family connection skills. I have a, I have a son and I have to tell you, just based on my reactions and my, tra- you know, transaction with him, how I respond, it life, life changing. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Wow. Can you take us through a little bit of the history of your family dynamics so people understand, you know, how old is your daughter now? Um, Even like, when did you get married? When did you start noticing things with your husband? Um, When did you start noticing things with your daughter? I'd I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, Yeah, sure. So I'll start with, I'll start with my daughter. You know, she was, you know, of course, you know, beautiful, talented, bright, smart, and sensitive. A little sensitive to kind of, you know, clothes, friendships, relationships. You know, I noticed, you know, in, in elementary school, it was like one best friend and then something would happen and they weren't best friends anymore. And so now, like looking back, I kind of understand, okay, she struggled with some social relationships. And you know, BPD, the seven out of the nine classic symptoms have to do with relationships. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what it was back then, but it was when puberty hit and I thought, okay, something, you know, something is wrong. Okay. First time I'm a parent of a teenager and I'm like, what's outside the norm here? You know, she is highly reactive 
to things that, you know, someone that doesn't have emotion dysregulation might look at it like, okay, what is the big deal? When you kind say thing, you're highly reactive, yeah. can you give us some examples yeah. of that? Oh, geez. Um, you know, quick to anger about, um, it, it might be quick to anger, frustration with doing your homework. And it lasted for a couple of days. She didn't want to go to school the next day. Mm. You know, where, um, you know, some of the, some of it was the frustration too of, you know, friendships and hurt and feeling rejected. And, and now this is, this, this just blew my mind is one of the symptoms is fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. And so when you're trying to discipline, you know, you put, you could put, put a child, you know what, you need to go to your room to calm down. Oh my gosh, that made it a hundred times worse because then she felt like I was, you know, abandoning her. Right. So, you know, so she was, you know, she was struggling and it just, it got to a level where it was really difficult to be around in, in, in the house. And I was scared for her and I was scared for us. And so, you know, we went to the counselor and she, she whispered to me, she said, I think it's BPD. And I was like, she said what? that she whispered. Uh-huh. Yes. The, uh, the counselor whispered it to me and I thought, what's that? So I went on the internet. I looked scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, all, all of the misinformation. And then I found family connections. Um, and then also looked at, you know, just what do we do now? We have to get her the skills and she needed more intense help. And actually this is what she said, mom, this two, two hours a week of therapy is not helping me. And we were band-aiding it. We, it was just band-aid. And then, um, I kind of on my own, you know, my, my husband, his own emotion dysregulation, he couldn't really kind of handle it. And, you know, it, he could make things worse too, because you've got two people that are reactive, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I, I researched and I found her a place and she was in residential for about nine weeks. And that's where she went through DBT. That's where they started to take her off. So, so how old, point you're saying, is she a teenager oh, right now when she was, she at- was in residential? Yes, so she, yes. She was 13 mm-hmm. and now she is 20 and she no longer meets the diagnosis for BPD. She's wow. considered in recovery. Wow. And is that common that someone actually gets help and I don't want to say grows out of it because she obviously worked at it? Right. Well, it's, you know, the research shows that the, that the sooner they're diagnosed and the sooner they get effective treatment, that yes, chances are pretty good they will be in recovery. And even like with an adult, if you know, they've had, you know, they've struggled with this their whole life, the, um, you know, symptoms and behaviors over time, they will, you know, kind of not cease, but the, they won't be as pronounced. And that is what I noticed in, you know, in my marriage. And, and I, I think, um, I knew, oh man, I knew something was probably wrong close to the beginning. And this was just by his aggressive driving. <laughs> where I was like, Wait, isn't that I common have, with men? I was men? just going to say, I thought that came with the whole, the territory. Yeah. <laughs> where I was like, okay, this is, this, this reaction of somebody cutting you off is, is 
way outside of anything I'm comfortable with or, you know, and, and that's just it. If you don't understand where it's coming from, it's very easy to invalidate, you know, and say, hey, what, you know, what's up with you? What's wrong with you? You know, they just cut you off. Big deal. And then to go back and then kind of look at it. Well, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what was going on? And actually the, the emotion there underneath that anger is fear. Yes. And so it's having that awareness. And that's one thing that we, we teach in family connections too, is um, an emotional, like a, a vocabulary, you know, because people, if they're not aware of what they're feeling, it's very hard to, to change the reaction like that. You know, every emotion has a, has an action urge to it. Yeah. And you're saying that he, your husband realized, you know, well into looking at the situation with your daughter that could be me or you realized it first or did he see it? Yeah. I realized, did he realize it when you did or did you say, I noticed that there's similarities here? Okay. That in real life, that sounds, like such a great conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, I need somebody to blame and it's you. <laughs> it's all your fault. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And that's and that's where I, I went to it. You know, I was like, that's it. And all right, straight up, this you know, this was like six years. And to live with the two people mm-hmm. that are emotionally dysregulated is so hard. Yes. And I only had energy for her. That was it. I was like, it's going to be her. And so it wasn't until, you know, she is stabilized and actually we're, we're empty nesters now that I was really able to focus on, you know, on the marriage. And unfortunately, you know, people, you know, they will get divorced. They will, you know, they, they will break up and, you know, it's not easy in, in any relationship, no. you know, however, with him, I get him now and I think he gets, he gets me. And so has he gone through DBT Excuse uh, me, as well? He, okay. So as a parent, he went, you know, they offer DBT classes at the same time that your child is, is in DBT. At the, Wait, any ABPD offers that? No, this oh. was, uh, this was when she was in residential. residential. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. And so it was highly suggested that he go and, you know, it's about an hour drive from us. And he went a couple of times, you know, there's the best that he could. Good for him though, for and, living going. Yeah. A lot of people oh, yeah. would not. No, no. And so after, you know, that he had a little more awareness, but again, it's, it's really hard because when, you know, you can practice in the calm. And so when it's chaos, you're better prepared and I think that's just not where his thinking is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just kind of dealing with, with life. He has a high, you know, pressure job and it just kind of depends. There are some days when, you know, we'll be dealing with the kids with something and he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and most people with it, mental health issues have an extremely high IQ, so that doesn't surprise oh, me yeah. at all. Oh yeah, no, and and that's just it. It's you know, in our classes, when when we have family members come for the first time, you know, they've been dealing with this a lot. Um, I co-lead the the class for romantic partners, and um, you know, people that are ex partners, but they co-parent. Mm-hmm. And for a lot, it's like this is it. Like if this doesn't work. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, they're, 
you know, and from the very beginning, they want to fix the partner. And that's what I wanted to do. Oh, my gosh. I was like, if he would just change, if he would just do this, everything would be fine. And the beauty of Family Connections is by the time I got, you know, to class 12, I was like, the only person I have control over is me. And I'm the person that changed. And he didn't, he didn't have to do anything. Which, yeah. You're, you're changing your reaction is what you're doing. Right. Right. We have, there's, there's something called the, um, Dr. Alan Frazetti, who co-created Family Connections. It's called the transactional model. And it starts with an event. And then we kind of, it's, it's like, you can kind of workshop it in, in a sense. And you kind of go through like, okay, what happened? Um, you know, judgments, you can, you know, this person did this on person. They're not trying hard, on, you know, on purpose. They're not trying hard enough. And then that can lead to, you know, inaccurately expressing your emotions, you know, so maybe you're calling them a jerk, you know, you're frustrated. And so it's looking at that map and, and realizing, okay, how do I change this? You know, there's something, um, I call it autopilot. Like we seem to have the roller coaster of um, disagreements. Like it was just the same thing coming up over and over. Yeah, and over. reactions mm-hmm. are the same, circular. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, how do you change that? And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because these skills, you know, they've helped not only in my relationship with my husband and my son and and my daughter, you know, but also just in life. Um, I'm our HOA vice president. Oh my gosh. Case study. (laughs) (laughs) study With, you know, high emotions, high emotions. I'm sure. So, so you keep mentioning your son. Where is he on the age uh, scale? Is he younger than your daughter? He is. So he is two years younger, and I'm I'm glad you brought him up because, you know, BPD affects the whole family. Mm-hmm. And so to you know, she's twelve, thirteen, and to explain to him what's going on, you know, a lot of times siblings will look at it like, well, you know, you're acting different towards her and why does she get to do this? And I don't, you know, and so, you know, I, you know, had him see a counselor because I wanted him to be able to talk to someone and and talk freely. I'm like, I'm, I'm your mom. You know, I'm, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your therapist. I don't want to be your therapist. And I want you to feel supported also. Yeah. Because what's going on in the house is every day he's, he's there throughout as well. Yeah, he's, you know, he's seeing um, my own reactions. I'm crying. I'm devastated. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm having a hard time controlling my own emotions of, of what's happening. And so, you know, I tried to, um, oh, man, there's this wonderful book called Millie the Cat Has Borderline Personality Disorder. It's great. I didn't know about it when he was younger. It may not even been around. But anyway, throwing that out there. And anybody, Millie the Cat Has Borderline okay. Personality Disorder. And... You know, I was able to kind of explain to him when you think of a, of a of a thunderstorm. You know, what do you do? You know, you 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 can take cover. You know, you take care of yourself. And what happens before the storm? You know, the lightning and the thunder, and you can't control it. You can't control a thunderstorm. You can't control the rain. And so I tried to explain it to him. You know, like that, where you know your sister struggles with her, you know, with her emotions, and she sometimes can't control it. And so this is what it looks like. So 
here's a, here's a plan for you. You know, if you go to the neighbor's house, you can go this, you know, to kind of remove himself from that. And as a parent, that was so hard. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard when you think, oh man, I, I, am I neglecting the one that doesn't have BPD? Do you know I, what I mean? I was just going to yeah. ask you that. Do you have, do you hold a lot of guilt because the other child in your life is not getting, getting your full attention because you're so exhausted from dealing with the illness all the time? Yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's, it's guilt. It's, it's more of like acceptance um, mm-hmm. of, I really honestly did the best that I could. And it I'm sounds, yeah, and you and, jumped on it early. You know, it sounds like yeah. you right away thought, I'm getting him a therapist or I'm, yeah. you know, your whole right. analogy with the thunderstorms, you were, were talking about it early on. It seems to me right. that that's, as, that's the best you can do in a good way. Yeah. You know? Right, right. And and actually, too, you know, I, I made it a point we did, oh, we did some fun um, mother-son trips. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, that's just, great. Just the two, yeah, our first trip, we went to Chicago to a Bulls game. It's magical. <laughs> Ma- cold, magical, and a magical experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, be- okay, the benefit, though, of having learned the skills and gone through everything that I had gone through when, you know, my daughter, you know, was a teenager. And then when he, you know, hit puberty, I had the skills. So she noticed, wow, mom, you're handling things much differently. (laughs) Yeah. And and it can be a little bit of, yeah, you know, and it can be a little bit of, I'm sad because, Mm -hmm. You, you know, I didn't, hand, I, I, again, I did the best that I could, but I was an expert at making crap worse. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, man. Everyone could you know? be in that category. Yeah, I think everyone can take blame yeah. for Especially that. those ages. I mean, no matter what's going on, when you have a 13-year-old and a... Teenagers are tough if They're in really general. tough years, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah. My, right. my other question to you is... I, I get a th- uh, underlying theme all the time when people who are diagnosed or different groups that I'm in for borderline is that this mm-hmm. this feeling of being unloved, is that like one of the number one identifiers for maybe they might have it? So it's, I've never heard it quite described like not feeling loved, um, not it's, accepted. Trying to think, it's more of a. Maybe um, I'm saying that wrong. Criticizing them, them criticizing themselves. Yes, yeah, you know, self self loathing. Yes, yes. That's what I've read a lot and about. Self sabotaging. There's self, a lot right. of self sabotaging. Yep. yep, and it's the it's the thinking. You know, it's kind of that distorted thinking. Sometimes there's some paranoia of you know they don't like me. People are you know um, you know you might think yeah. people are out to out to get me. There's also something that they call splitting where they may devalue and value a person very, very quickly. So, you know, they may meet someone and like instantaneously fall in love and have that, you know, kind of an expectation or the thought that, oh, now I found the person that's going to make me feel complete and make me feel whole Mm -hmm. and make me. And then the person may invalidate, you know, something they've said, or, you know, it may be they, you know, this, the person with, with BPD may have texted them and the person didn't respond 
you know, for whatever reason, you know, they're working and then that, that event, you know, will now trigger the sense of, um, feeling abandoned, not loved, not important, not understood. And it's, it's really, really difficult to be the person where you're like, I didn't, that was not my intention, you know, right. and to learn, you know, how to, how to, um, kind of pull out the feeling of, of, okay, let's, you know, when things are calm, let's, let's talk about this. What is it, what did it feel like when I didn't answer, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So and, a validation, the, they probably need more validation. Yes. And absolutely. so, so does DBT help with that? Oh yes. Oh my gosh. That's what DBT, it tackles. One of oh yeah. Things. It'll, it'll help you learn how to, how to validate and how to self-validate which is really, really mm-hmm. important because if you can self, if you can validate yourself, you can validate someone else's feelings. And, and, that, and the great thing about validation, it doesn't mean you agree. It doesn't mean you're like, okay, yep, I totally get it. The, you know, the person you work for is an insensitive fool. You know, they, they did something you're Oh yeah, they, they totally are. It's, you know, the validation part is, wow, you're really upset. Okay, tell me, tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody would feel that way. You, yeah. you know, you, yeah. So it's 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 a skill, and you have to practice it. And I, my daughter would tell me she's like, "Mom, you suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing you're doing the validation thing right." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, yeah I'm trying." <laughs> so, so with your daughter, when you say that she's <clears throat> in recovery at this point, which of course is it's just unreal. It's terrific. Is she very disciplined about continuing this strategy in wellness, or if you want to call it wellness, or or just recovery? But is she is she on some sort of routine with DBT and keeping herself strong? You said no medication, correct? Yeah. No, no, no medication. medication. So, so what does she do to continue to, you know, to maintain to maintain her her wellness? Recovery. Ah, I'm so glad you asked that because I'm I'm so proud of her because she had to do it, and it was in, interesting when she went away to college. She was um, seeing a, a cognitive behavioral therapist, and then said, "Mom, I want to see a DBT therapist again because I feel like I'm not reaching my goal. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not moving in that direction." And so we recon. Luckily, we reconnected with the DBT therapist that she had when she was in treatment. That that was her. Um, it was so funny. That was her parameters. I need to see somebody that knows DBT that knows me, so I don't have to start over. You know, with with, with my story. I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> we can do it. It's been six years, so she does see a DBT therapist. And one of the great parts of the therapy is they have coaching calls. So if she is struggling and she tried skills and she's still, her emotions are still not coming down, she can, she can text and then right. the therapist will call her back. So, so she's continuing that, but she, oh my gosh, living on her own in, in college, she does yoga. Um, she, she exercises. She, she really, she's going to be a teacher and she really, really loves, you know, her major and she's so self-aware. Too. And and it just kind of all all came together. So it's it's the physical health. It's getting enough sleep. It's reducing those vulnerabilities 
that can really set your emotions. You know, there's something called halts. If you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're lonely, if you're tired, or if you're sick and you're not feeling well. All of those things can really limit your capacity to deal with life. Yeah, those are great points, especially the physical well-being. I try to encourage a lot of people who are struggling, even if they're not diagnosed, to you know, go for a walk, go mm-hmm. to the gym, do, I'm a big yoga person. I, I truly believe in the breathing aspect. And yeah, um, I think it often gets overlooked. We're so quick to put people on medication. Yeah. Sometimes when I, cause I take crisis calls as well, Julie and I both do. And sometimes when somebody is calling and I can just tell they are really in a bad way, else put down the phone, go walk out the front door or wherever you can get fresh air, I'm holding on, and they come back, and it did make a difference. You know, just to cross that threshold into the outside sometimes, no exercise for that second makes a difference. Um, so that all of those simple points can really start putting somebody back on the map, even a tiny bit. Um, oh, yeah. It, is, your, is it unique that you... Um, got help for your daughter so early, 13, that she was in residential doing DBT. I mean, she's she's having such success as a young adult, you know, 20, that's so young. But, um, you know, you did such great, such great things for her to be able to um, have really, like you say, the best life in coping mechanisms and tackling this and staying on top of her uh, mental illness. Is that unique that 13 is, when is, when is the usual age for this to manifest borderline personality disorder? So it is usually around those teenage years really? that it will, um, yes. Hmm. And, you know, the, the most challenging part is it is the most stigmatized illness and clinicians don't want to di- diagnose it. And so, you know, they'll, they say, well, the personality isn't developed yet, so you have to wait till they're 18, you know, and as parents, by that point, they're an adult. You know, I could force her, I could force her to go. And I'm so glad, and it was hard, you know, I'm so glad I did because doing the work is, you know, oh my gosh, doing the work I could see, it was so hard for her. I, would I, how how I described it was, you know, she would go to her DB therapist, DBT therapist, I'd have to drive her an hour. And it's almost like her therapist kind of had this boiling pot of water, you know, put her in and said, okay, we're going to take you out, cool yourself off. Like you have to learn these skills. And there were some times where, um, it, 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 you know, it, it was, it was just so, so hard. So I was, we were lucky. I I mean, I really think I, I was, I really think I was lucky that I had, you know, therapists that were close to us, you know, that I found any ABPD and there's, you know, there, we, that's part of NEA's work is we really want to get the word out there, um, you know, early prevention and early diagnosis can help can help them have a life worth living. And how would somebody, I'm speaking now to our listening audiences, wondering, how would they find the information on NEABPD? You know, listening, it just sounds like a lifesaver of a resource for the entire family, as you've said. Uh, How would they find information on this? 
So we do have a website, um, www.neabpd.org. And on the website, we have the, actually the largest media library on borderline personality disorder in the world. Wow. So, yeah, there's tons of, we have webinars, you know, videos, resources. If you're looking for, let's say, a DBT therapist, you know, we have links. Um, you know, we have a crisis list. And, you know, that that's one thing Cho's going to say about Family Connections is, is we have the application there. So, you know, definitely apply right now. Our wait list is about 2,000 people. Oof. And, yes. And our, our volunteer leaders are the most incredible people because they, this, it's a, it's a, it's a, I volunteered for 30 something years and this is honestly one of the most hardest volunteer gigs I think I've had and the most rewarding because you see how it changes lives. So there's about a five to six month you know, wait right now. So you mean you know, to be able to every- enroll, to be able to enroll in family connections yeah. or something of the sort. Is yeah. it also online and, or is it just in person? Um, it's actually COVID forced us. It's the little sweetness of, of everything to embrace virtual. Okay. And so right now we have plans to possibly go back in person, maybe this fall, you know, however, going virtual allowed us to, you know, reach so, so many more people throughout the United States. Because if you didn't have a family connections leader in your area, you might be waiting for five years. I, I mean, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so, and do you have a presence outside of the country? I mean, we have listeners as we're learning all over the world. Um, are there, yeah. are there other countries that have NEA BPD programming? So we do. We are our program is actually in let's see, last count like twenty three countries, and again taught by you know family members or a, a DBT clinician. And so there is like NEA BPD. There's what we call it like an affiliate, and there's one in Ireland. There's one in Australia. There's one in New Zealand, Canada. Their organization is called Bosch Bear and Family Connections is their signature program. And they're a wonderful organization as well. So if, if you did a, a Google search, you know, for where you, for um, if you're in those areas that I just, you know, mentioned, it'll come up. Or on our website, if someone fills out a Family Connections application, like, for example, I've got two, two leaders right now in South Africa. Wow. And. We don't. We didn't have any physical leaders in South Africa. It's However, really exciting. They, That's terrific. Yeah, yeah. So they were able to take our course online um, wow. through Zoom. Yep. And oh, then it's they're so they're, needed they're, too. Okay. Well, yeah. well, Tina, you're just such a wealth of information. We can't thank you enough. Yeah, this has I'm, been a gift to anyone listening that has something of the sort going on or knows someone. Yeah. So can't thank you enough. You truly opened my eyes because I think there's a lot of misconception about BPD out there. I I, pe- I think people feel that it's very dangerous and that people with it can be very dangerous. And now I think it gives a different perspective of mood regulation instead, if that makes sense. Right. It, it, it does. You know, there, there are, you know, we didn't touch a lot. You know, on part of the um, the diagnosis with impulsive behavior. You know, the the self harm. Mm-hmm. You know, to to alleviate that emotion. 
Um, and I know, you know that's high, a big part of it. That's, that's yeah. one of the top things talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. Um, thank you so much for, ha- for having me on. And I, I hope I've given, you know, people a message of, of hope. It is, um, it is treatable and people do get better. And, uh, my daughter tells me all the time, mom, you have your job because I have BPD. You've made a career out of trying to understand me. Well, well, well every, everyone have, to have her on, right? And everyone has benefited. Yes. Well, thank you so yeah, much. You we so appreciate much. you sharing your personal story and the time that you've given us and giving us a message of hope. Thank you, well, Tina. Thank you. thank you. Thanks, Tina. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at behindourdoor@mail.com. That's behindourdoor@mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening.